Hello, today's episode is about RV furnaces and how to diagnose a problem with one. I want to welcome you to the show. This is Eric Stark with Radio Arizona RV, your best RV podcast. This is the podcast that's for everyone, men, women, young, old. It doesn't matter if you own an RV. This is the podcast that's for you. Now, today's episode is going to be number 81, which is about diagnosing problems with RV furnaces. So I'm going to explain how an RV furnace works, and that's going to help with the diagnosis. And if you own an RV, it has a furnace. And if you have a furnace, it's going to quit working on you sooner or later. So also, please share this episode with your friends and family and fellow RVers. And you can do that by just sharing RadioArizonaRV.com with them or sending a link or just the title of the episode, whatever it might be, but share it with others. And you can also contact me using the contact us page on RadioArizonaRV.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have suggestions for episodes, I'd love to hear it. You know, so many times the listeners are the ones that have the best ideas for episodes. I go with what I hear in the store and talking to people on, on the phone. But sometimes you're out in the trenches, you know, RVing all day, every day. So you have great ideas. and I'd love to hear it. One reminder here, check out Mudflap or the Mudflap app on my website at RadioArizonaRV.com. It's the Mudflap diesel fuel app. Great little app. It'll save you 10 to 50 cents per gallon on diesel fuel. So check it out. There's a link on my website right at the top. It says Mudflap app. Look at it. And by entering my name, if you sign up for the app, not my name, Radio Arizona RV, it's on that page. You'll get a $10 credit for fuel. So that's pretty cool. 10 bucks. It's free gas, right? Or free fuel. So now getting into... RV furnaces. Now, RV furnaces, there's different brands, there's different models, there's hundreds of models. It's like everything else in an RV or a home or a car. There's not just one, there's many. And I say that because it's imperative that you have the model number when you go to get parts for it. If you have to buy a electrode, a blower wheel, whatever it might be. You know, some service centers will have, you know, a multitude of parts and they don't mind walking back there if you have the old one trying to match it up. Or maybe the, the guy behind the parts counter will just know what mo- what part number it is by showing him what you have. But it's always good to have the model number. Because that way it can be looked up and it's 100% certain on the part that's going to go back into that model furnace. Now, every now and then that those, those books we have, the things we use to look up, eh, occasionally they're wrong. But overall, you know, you're going to be 99.9% sure of what you get. So get the model number. In fact, I've always say this or always said it, and I always say it. Just write down the model numbers. Keep track of them. Put them someplace. Get a little book. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be fancy. Do it on your phone. You know, ever how you want to do it, but track the model numbers. That way when you go into the store, you have it every single time. I know it's easier said than done because we have so much junk to do in our lives all day, every day, right? Just one more thing, but it makes life a little bit easier sometimes. So now on an RV furnace, you know, one of the most critical things I think we need to talk about first is just voltage. For an RV furnace to work, it has to have at least 10 and a half volts. Anything less than that, it's not going to work. And depending on the battery, even at 10 and a half volts, that might only last for a split second if the battery's old and on its way out, not going to live much longer. 
So you got to have at least 10 and a half volts. So the best thing to do is always have a fresh battery or make sure the RV is plugged in, make sure the battery's in good shape and you got at least 10 and a half volts. And why is the voltage so important? Well, we're going to get into that, but it has to spin the blower wheel. If it doesn't spin the blower wheel at full speed, the furnace isn't going to work. So the voltage is important. And we, and you know, I get it all the time. People coming in, Hey, my furnace doesn't work and they have it apart. Did you check the voltage? Do you know what your battery voltage is? Oh, the battery's out. I, it hasn't been in there for ages, you know? Well, that's why it's not working. They put in a battery and wow, it works. So voltage is critical. And another thing too is, and this can be done, you know, with before you have a problem, check the inlet and the outlet on the outside of the RV, the exhaust in, exhaust out, to make sure that they're not filled with debris, there's not mud daubers in there, you know, you don't have a bird living in there or, or something in there. You can use compressed air to clean that out as well. Put the compressed air into the fresh air intake, not the exhaust, but the fresh air and just blow that air through and it'll blow any junk in out. Generally, when a furnace isn't working because something in there is a lot of something, it's not just a little bit, it's not some dust, you know or a leaf, you know, that isn't going to be the problem. In fact, I saw a video the other day and they were showing how to clean it out and he took out a leaf. And I, well, that's, that's cute, but that isn't really going to be the problem. And just so you know, you can get screens that go on the outside of the furnace to keep things from getting inside to build nests in there or filled up with whatever leaves, twine, whatever it might be. So those are pretty cool. And a lot of areas you need them and a lot of areas do you don't, but it's almost better to just have one. You know, they're inexpensive. Put it on, forget about it. You're done with it. And then also just a little more maintenance here too. You know, at least once a year, you want to check the furnace if you can. You know, if it breaks, it's one thing, but if you're just, it's working fine. Sometimes they're harder to get to kind of get in there and check it out, but you want to make sure that, you know, the circuit board is not covered in animal fur or or hair, different things, just dust, and some of the vents. You want to just make sure that it's clean overall. Like whenever a technician takes a furnace out, they always blow it off with compressed air, get all the hair and dust and dirt and things like that off there. Even cigarette smoke can um, affect a furnace, believe it or not. You want to do that as well. You might not want to take it out, but do what you can. If you can hit the sides with a vacuum, it kind of depends on how your furnace is mounted, where it's at in the RV, you know, because every One's a little bit different. And speaking of that, you know, there's different brands. You have Suburban, you have Hydroflame, you have Atwood. And Dometic now is Atwood and Hydroflame. You know, it was Atwood and Hydroflame. Now it's Dometic, Atwood, Hydroflame. Uh, Duotherm, I might have missed one. But there's different furnaces out there, so they're not all the same, different models. So you got to have that model number, like I said. So now let's get into this a little bit more. So... You know, the the basics, and I'm, what I'm going to do here is explain how the power flows through the furnace. And that's important to know because when you know that, you basically can diagnose your furnace. And all you really need is a test light and a little patience. And I would say if you're, the furnace isn't working, to take it out if you know the thermostat's good. Just get it on a bench where you can just work on it. You know, sometimes you can work on them in the RV okay. It just depends. And for testing purposes, you don't have to have propane hooked up to it. You just need to have a good 12-volt source. 
So that's the critical thing, 12 volts. So it has to be a good fresh battery or if you have a 12-volt source of some kind, but it has to have 12 volts. Generally, a battery is just the easiest thing to do. So when you turn on your thermostat, provided it's working, it's going to send power to the furnace. Now I'm going to stop right there. If you turn the thermostat on and nothing happens at the furnace, and this would apply to an air conditioner as well, if nothing happens, then more than likely the thermostat is no good and needs to be replaced. Okay, so if nothing happens, the fan doesn't come on, you don't hear the blower spinning, anything like that at the furnace, then the thermostat more than likely is bad. Now, so they are fused. The, the furnace will have a fuse in it, so you want to make sure that it does have power. So if it has power, turn on the thermostat, nothing happens, it's going to be the thermostat. Okay, so now the thermostat, let's assume that the thermostat's good. And you turn it on. So the 12 volts from the thermostat, and by the way, these are 12-volt thermostats. You know, household ones won't work unless they're 12 volts. So the power is going to go from the thermostat, the blower wheel, to the furnace. The blower is going to start spinning. So you have the, the motor itself, and then it has the blower wheel, or squirrel cages is often called, attached to it. Some of them have two, some have one. So that's going to start spinning. And now it has to get up to full speed because there's a switch that is going to open or close, excuse me. So the switch is called a sail switch. So it's mounted next to the blower wheel and has a long arm that comes out and has a little flat blade on it, if you will. It acts like a sail. The air from the blower wheel activates that switch. It's going to push that switch out. It's going to close. And now power is going to continue on its path, going from the sail switch to the limit switch. Now, the limit switch, in conjunction with the sail switch, are basically safety switches to keep the furnace from blowing up, catching on fire, all the bad things that can happen with the furnace. So you don't have one fail-safe, you have two. So it's important both those are working. So the power goes from the sail switch to the limit switch. If the limit switch is working good, there's nothing wrong with it. The power is going to continue its path through the limit switch and on to the circuit board. So now let's stop right there. So we're going to stop at the circuit board. Now the sail switch and the limit switch can be tested with the furnace out on the bench with 12 volts hooked up to it. And you're going to turn the furnace on. You're going to, you know, there's no thermostat in line there. So you're just going to take the thermostat wires and tie them together. And that's going to bypass the thermostat, if you will. So it's going to activate the furnace. And you'll want to have a test light that you can probe the wire with on the sail switch. And so you're going to probe that wire with the uh, furnace on. So you're going to have 12 volts going through the switch, then out to the limit switch and through the limit switch. So you need to probe. The, uh, the limit switch as well to make sure it has the power going in and power going out. Then it's going to go up to the circuit board. And now the circuit board is kind of where things can be a problem for you to diagnose. So the circuit board now, if everything's working right within it, it's going to open up the gas valve and then it's going to tell the igniter to, hey, you need to ignite spark now. 
So it's going to spark and all this happens very quickly. And then the furnace will ignite and everything's good. Now, if there's something wrong with the circuit board, which could be two different things, two different main things, obvious things, be one is not opening the gas valve or the other is it's not sending the, the power to the igniter. So it ignites the, the gas in the combustion chamber. Now, a circuit board can be tested pretty easily if you take it to an RV service center. I believe most of them will check it for you. I know if you bring your circuit board to me, I'll check it for you, whether it's a water heater, furnace, doesn't matter. There's no problem doing that. I don't think most places will charge you for it. And then if they you need a new circuit board, they'll sell you a new circuit board. So that's their payment. Now, the gas valve can be tested by itself as well. The gas valve, you can hook 12 volts up to and blow th air through it. And air should go through it when there's 12 volts hooked up to it. Because it's you know the air simulates the the gas or the propane, and the twelve volts would be the twelve volts coming from the circuit board. So it opens up the valve and allows the fuel to go through. So you're just going to take that valve, hook up twelve volts to it, and you can blow air through it. If that happens, if that works that way, that gas valve is good. And then the igniter, generally igniters, they're just obviously bad. You know, you have the electrodes coming off of it and they'll be, you know, filled with carbon. And sometimes when they have a lot of carbon on it, you can just clean it up. That solves the problem. Or the end of it might be broken off. You know, it got so much carbon and heat and it finally just broke off and it's not going to ignite. The porcelain might be cracked where the spark's shooting out the side rather than the tip. That's a possibility. And that's generally obvious. The lead going from the circuit board to the igniter could be bad as well. Those don't go bad very often. The igniter would be more likely to go bad. So the igniter is generally obvious. And for most of them, you know, the, the gap between the igniter, where the spark is actually going through, where it grounds on the side, where it creates the spark, or the power goes through, and then grounds out, that makes the spark. There's generally a, an eighth of an inch gap there. And, you know, it's going to depend on the furnace models, but I think that's something you can go by. And that's a plus or minus 16th of an inch as well. So the easiest way to check that is just get an eighth inch drill bit and put it between the two and you should be fine. And so if it's off a little bit, you can just adjust it. But if it's off just a tiny bit, don't worry about it. Just let it be. It's probably not worth the effort to adjust it. You know, if it's plus or minus a sixteenth of an inch, you know, um, it gives you some latitude there. So it's not as critical as, let's say, a spark plug in a car. Okay. But it still needs to be right. Now, igniters, basically, like I said, they just don't go bad. They're, when they do, they're usually obviously bad. But you do get the one occasionally is just bad for some reason. Just had a guy in the other day, everything in his furnace checked out. His, his igniter looked 100% perfect. Gets a new one, puts it in, solve the problem of the furnace not working, not lighting. Okay, so that walks you through it. So just to rehash this, I know you're driving or doing something you're probably not able to remember all this or write it down but thermostat blower wheel sail switch limit switch circuit board gas valve igniter and the circuit board controls the gas valve and the igniter okay and sometimes well you know so you have to check it out so you go through those motions but now let's say you check everything on the bench you find that um Maybe the circuit board is bad. So you put in a new circuit board. You know, you took it out. You went through all the tests, and the circuit board seemed to be the problem. 
you had the circuit board test at the local RV center and they tested it and they sell you a board and you put it in, everything works. Okay, cool. Then you take it off the bench, you put it back in the RV and now it's not working. You know, one of the common things that can be wrong is now the sail switch has a problem. A little tiny piece of hair, dust sometimes can make those sail switches act kind of goofy. You know, I've talked to technicians who really like to make sure they get the job done right the first time. And they say for the money that it costs for a sail switch, they just put a new one in every time they repair a furnace. You know, it'll just eliminate that problem because it doesn't take much for it to not work. It can be working great on the bench. A little dust falls out of it or a piece of hair falls into it, and now it's not working properly. So they just put a new one in. Eliminates the problem. And I agree with that. So I would say put one in. Now, some people will replace the limit switch, the sales switch. Just make sure it's covered, you know. So everybody's going to do a little bit different, but keep that in mind. I would suggest just throwing a sales switch in. You know, they're $15, $20. It's not going to break the bank, and then you're done with it. So the other thing, too, you know, the blower wheel, generally, I shouldn't say the blower wheel, but the 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 motor that spins the blower wheel or the squirrel cage, as it's called, they go bad, too. And generally, they make a lot of noise when they go bad. You hear the bearings. They're just, you know, making a ton of noise. And those bearings can be lubricated with the right lubrication. You can't use anything that's flammable. You can't use WD-40. So you have to use something that's non-flammable, and it's probably going to take quite a bit of it. You have to clean them out, and I don't know how long it's going to last. I've heard of guys that have cleaned stuff out, and it's lasted for years. And I've heard of guys who've done it, and it's lasted maybe for days, weeks, or months. You know, So it's up to you whether you want to try to do that or not there's a product called corrosive x i believe it's in a red can and it's non-flammable you could actually take a if you were to fill up let's say a five gallon container and put a small tv set in there while it's plugged in it won't short out or anything catch on fire the tv set will just keep on working it's a great product so it's absolutely safe you know it's not going to catch on fire so you have to remember that you know when you deal with electronics you can't just spray anything at it but I recommend just replacing the the motor unless you're just in a bind, you know, you just got to get it through the weekend or whatever. But replace the motor and check the squirrel cage, you know, while you have it apart. And I would recommend checking this stuff before you go order parts or buy parts. Get the furnace out. Make sure that the squirrel cage is not coming apart as well. Some of them are plastic and maybe it's breaking off. Maybe that's what caused the motor to go bad. It got out of balance. So check that out as well. Sometimes that can also get filled up with debris, hair, and stuff like that that's going to slow it down. But when that blower or when the motor slows down, if it's not going to run at full speed, it's not going to be able to activate that sail switch. So the power is not going to go through the sail switch to the limit switch to the circuit board, et cetera. So that can be a problem too. And that's why I say you check the sail switch. If there's power going through it, that would indicate the switch is good and the blower motor is working properly. If the blower motor is not activating that sail switch, then it's spinning too slow. And that could be a voltage problem or the motor is just going bad. So look at it from that way. You know, is it the blower motor or is it the sail switch or is it voltage? Okay, so that gives you kind of a, a breakdown of this, and I'm going to put this on Radio Arizona RV under this episode, kind of the sequence here 
and I'll see if I can find some pictures with some oh, drawings on them or, you know, notes to help with this. Um, but it's pretty straightforward. Thermostat, blower wheel, sail switch, limit switch, circuit board, gas valve, and igniter. Okay, so that's the order that it goes. So if the thermostat doesn't turn on the blower, then the thermostat's bad. So we're always going to assume, that, you know, check that first. If the blower's going, then the thermostat's good. And, you know, we sell a lot of thermostats, and that's why I bring that up. A lot of people buy thermostats, and, you know, they're not really sure. And I think they buy them sometimes, and they just keep them, you know, and they're not sure if it worked or not, but it's new. And sometimes that's a, you know, a philosophy too. Like I'm more of the type, hey, let's just go in and replace several things, make sure it's covered, you know, the thermostat acting a little funny, just put a new one in. You know, thermostats for most RVs are relatively expensive, inexpensive. Some of the newer ones with the more complex thermostats that are heat and AC, they can get up there in the 50, 60, 100 plus dollar range. So those you don't want to just throw money at and replace just, um, you know, just because you do want to replace that if it's bad, not if it's good. Okay, so I hope that helps understanding how a furnace works. And we're in the, you know, we're in wintertime right now, and a lot of RVs are in storage, but a lot of people are using their RVs. They go to Arizona, Texas, Florida, those places. I mean, even here locally, a lot of people live in their RVs, and I'm sure that's happening around the world, you know, and not around the world, around the United States. With the economy changing, people out of work, you know, they're living in their RVs. And so they're they're facing these problems, and a lot of people just have to fix it themselves. It's not even out of a want. It's out of a budgetary need. And you know, locally here, there's a lot of people living in RVs that just they can't afford housing because housing has gotten so expensive, so they're living in an RV. So that gives you some insight to it. And also share that with other people too. If you know someone with an RV, share that with them. It's definitely helpful information. It's going to help them be a little more self-sufficient, especially when you're out on the road somewhere and that RV breaks. And I always go back to this, you know, because when you're out on the road, that's when things go wrong and they can go really wrong or just kind of wrong. Really wrong is when you start throwing money at it and it turns into this big old process and you're spending all this dough and you're still not fixing the problem. That's really wrong. Or you take it someplace and they take advantage of you. But, you know, just wrong is when something goes just wrong is when it breaks and you can repair it and you're back on the road or you got the furnace working again. The family's not, you know, freezing. You know, you're able to take care of it that way. And also um, a reminder as well, if you can check out our website at sunpromfg.com, just a reminder that we sell slide-out awning fabrics, and we sell a boatload of these things. We got a three-, five-, and ten-year warranty. You know, we have the best fabrics in the industry. We have the best warranties, and they're a phenomenal product. So if you need a replacement slide-out awning fabric, check it out at sunpromfg.com. And then we have other products on there, too, sunshade-type products for awnings to hang off your awnings. You know, the awning drops, and they have the zipper in them. So they're... Definitely useful. And like you know, I said, you know, it's wintertime, but a lot of people are still RVing. They're still moving about, and they're in areas where it's sunny, like Arizona. Even with COVID, Arizona still has people going down there this year. Um, they're able to do that. And depending on where they live, I frankly can't blame them, you know. Get out of the lockdowns and get someplace where you can get out in an RV park and kind of move and not have to worry about it. Go out in the desert, do whatever you need to do. But 
Anyway, so check it out, sunpromfg.com. You know, I don't push a lot of our stuff too often, but I just need to throw it out there occasionally. Just a reminder that we're here and we do make slide out awning fabrics. And like I said, um, contact us through the contact us page at Radio Arizona RV. If you have a question, you can call as well. I do answer the phone. And if you have an idea for a, a show, please let me know. And, and, you know, sometimes I get ideas too, just so you know this. Um, I might get an idea for something, you know, someone sends me an email and I'll thank them for it, respond, but I might not get around to that stuff for a while. Sometimes it piles up or it might be something that maybe they send to me at the end of summertime and it's really not a uh, fall or winter type product. So I have to hang on to that until spring and summer again. So sometimes it takes a while. So don't feel that I just take what you send me and ignore it. That isn't the case. It's sometimes just how it has to work into the system. Okay. So, hey, I want to thank you for listening to the episode. This has been a great show today, and I hope that uh, this helps you with your furnace repairs. And if you have any questions, like I said, call me. The number is at RadioArizonaRV.com and share it with your friends. And please tune in to the next episode, number 82. Hopefully, it's going to be about water heaters. So, we'll walk through the water path of the water heaters as well. So, hey, I want to thank you, and you have a good day.